0: This is a post-Christian podcast.
1: Welcome to the Revolution Church podcast.
2: All right everybody, welcome to Revolution. I'm glad to have you all here. Um Oh. So I've been in my head all weekend. Life. Life in general. One of those weekends where you spend a lot of time reflecting on things in life and and uh changes and trying to figure out how that all works. Um so doing that, um feeling a little heavy today, so I'll try to make this okay. That's the thing about um mental health, you know? You just never know when the darkness is going to hit you. And uh, mine seems like I oh, I just overly subs- obsess about things and worry about things when there's not <clears throat> much you can do about it, but you still just kind of play over and over and over in your head again. And uh, I'm working on that. My... uh My therapy's helped a bit, but yeah, it's still tough. Um, Anyhow, today I wanted to talk a little bit about um, love and um, how we interact with each other and kind of like the foundations of the scriptures, of the really foundation of Jesus' message. And I think we could even go back to the Torah and say that it was a foundational message there, too. We're going to start in Matthew 22. So I'm going to go to Matthew 22, and I'm really glad I checked this morning because I wrote down the wrong verse when I was (laughs) preparing last night. Um, It's so funny, like when I have the kids around and I'm preparing the sermon, it's a completely different preparation than when I'm, you know, just sitting at the coffee shop thinking you know I just like, I get in like this crazy mode of just when the kids are around it's almost easier because for some reason the pressure makes me work faster um, but matthew um, twenty three thirty four says when the Pharisees heard that he had silent he had silenced the Sadducees they gathered together and one of them a lawyer asked him a question to test him teacher which commandment of the, in the law is the greatest. He said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your mind and soul and will and all, with, with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the greatest and first commandment. A second is like it. And when he says it's like it, he's saying equally is important. The second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. These two commandments uh, hang all the law and the prophets. Hang on, all the law and all the prophets. So love God with all your heart and your might and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And so I've been thinking about loving your neighbor as yourself, um, because there is another time where they push and they ask, well, who's my neighbor? And then Jesus tells the story of the prodigal son, and he's trying to say, even the other is your neighbor, you know, your enemy is your neighbor. Um, so I I was thinking about this idea of loving your neighbor as yourself and I really try to implement that in my life in every situation. Um even in in situations like my my divorce and things like that, you know, I try to love my ex as myself, you know. I try to do that in and um And it's not always easy, you know, especially when you're both living separate lives and trying to raise two kids and try to work all that out together. Um, But one of the things I've come to realize is that not all people want to be loved the same way. Um, Why do most marriages end divorce? You know? Because I think if you talk to a lot of people, they would say, well, I tried to love them like I wanted to be loved. You know, I tried to love them the best way I knew I could love, you know. Um, but it still didn't work. Um, have you heard of love languages? You know, some people... No, I don't... I mean, he may have talked about it, but I don't think so. It's, it's like... There's a book. written by some therapist about the love languages. And... Um, my love language is gifts. You know, like, and I got probably got that because my dad was a workaholic and just gave me gifts when I was a kid and that's how I res- responded to love. I thought that was what love was. And so when people gave me something, I was like, oh, wow, you know, I'm loved, you know. Um, some people's love language is compliments or doing deeds for them or different things like that. We have different ways that we, we, we like to be loved. So, you know, if I try to love you the way I want to be loved and I'm constantly just showering you with gifts and that's not your love language, and you're like, well, why don't you just tell me you love me or why don't you just take me out? You know, why, don't you, why, don't we do, why don't we do this? You know, we're going to miss that a little bit. That person's not going to receive that love in the same way. They're not going to feel that love in the same way. Um, people are very different. And how we love is different, and how we receive love is different. Um, so, my question is: Is how can we love others as they need to be loved? You know, how do we do that? In Matthew seven, uh, seven twelve, we have the golden rule. It says, and everything do to others as you would have them do to you. For this is the law of the prophets. Um, so do unto others as you would have them do to you. But once again, we come back to that conflict or that interesting thing of of not everybody wants to be treated the way I'm treated. You know, Um I mean, financially, people are different. They have different wants, you know. Financially, fi- so finances can separate us. Culture um, can separate us. But even our neighbors are different, you know. So it feels strange to question a foundational scripture, you know, or foundational work of the Bible, but oh well. Um we have to look at different ways that we can do that. Um, like, for example, if... I, always, I wrote down some different people, but like parents, you know, and love, and, 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 and love, love changes. And, you know, romantic love changes, but love for family changes, love and friendship changes, um, love evolves, uh, for lack of a better term. Um, you know, like for me, you know, I, I going through through uh, separation, through a divorce, things like that. You know, I would love it if if my ex called me and was like, "How are you doing? Are you doing okay? Is everything all right? You know, what's going on?" And we just stayed on the same page and had deep conversations about what was going on and just, you know, how were the kids, and blah, blah, blah. You know what I mean? But I would also know that my ex doesn't want me to call all the time. You know, they're moving on, want to live their life and do all that. So my way of loving back is knowing that they have different boundaries than I do. You know, and going, okay. I'm not going to make a phone call right now because that's not, you know, that's not what it might be. What I would want, you know, because I'm constantly asking myself in relationships, and when I'm sitting down with people and we're going through transition, or maybe we're arguing theology or different things, I'm constantly asking, "Well, how would I want to be talked to in this environment?" But then I realize it's not everybody wants to be talked to the same way. So when I sit down with like my friend Pete. You know, how Pete reacts to me with theological questions, you know, he'll just cut it down. Boom, 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 you know? And I want to be more like, oh, let's get into it and go through it and be soft and sensitive. And he's just like, this is the problem with that thought. You know what I mean? I'm going? Like, oh, you know? But then I get in, you know what I do is I just kind of, I just kind of morph into where we're at in our friendship and go like, oh, okay, yeah, that's how we talk. And so we talk this way, you know um, how I talk to um, different friends is just different um, you know, and the relationships change. Like, I was thinking about my dad you know and, and my mom and 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 parents you know, and when you 're a kid, how your parents are your heroes and they everything, but slowly, as you become a teenager and, and you realize that, you know life is different and oh, wait, mom and dad are people, you know, and, oh, they aren't perfect people. And, oh, you know, then, oh, they're bad people. Then, you know, oh, they're just all bad. They're just bad, and, you know, my parents are screwed up, and blah, 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 you know, and then hopefully you get older and wiser, and then you start to go, oh, they're just human beings going through human experience. You know, they're not super people. They're just regular people who have to deal with hard times and, you know, desires and needs and, you know, are looking for a sacred object to solve all their problems, just like everybody else, you know, full of contradictions. Um, One of the strange things is, you know, they're making a film about my parents. And Jessica Chastain is playing my mom. And um, Andrew Garfield's playing my dad. And... So I talked to both of them recently um, on the phone about playing my parents. And the difference if they would have called me 20 years ago to them calling me now and talking to me was completely different. How I communicate who my parents were. you know, And I'm like, yeah, I know this is a film, but I'm not going to hand you just a shiny picture of who they are. They were people with lots of contradictions in their lives. You know, they're people who loved a lot of people, you know, and cared about a lot of people, you know, but they also liked nice stuff. You know, my dad was a workaholic, trying to please God, trying to fill that void. You know, my mom was not a theologian by any stretch of the imagination, but she really loved people. But she had her own darkness too. She had her own issues that she had to deal with constantly and and this this void that she felt that she needed to be filled, you know. Um, So you see that when you love people and you learn to love them in different ways. And that's a lot of time where people talk about unconditional love comes in. Why do we talk about unconditional love? Is because if you love other human beings, it won't always be completely unconditional. Like when you read things for 13 at a wedding, I'm always like, oof, that's a, that's a high call right there. Never keeps a record, never irritable, you know, all this stuff. And you're like, eh, I don't know if that's about marriage. Um, <laughs> I don't know if that's about life in so many ways, but it's a nice goal. It's a nice way to look at things, but, um, and, and it's Man, it's encouraged me. It's kept me going for a long time. Uh, Corinthians thirteen four through seven, especially. But, but how that love works with different people, like with my dad, I just have to. Dis- we just have to agree to disagree. We just have to choose to love each other. Now it's not like this. Oh, you're this, You know, it's like oh, you're this, this, and this, and this. You know, we don't really talk very much, and your politics are bad, and my politics are this, and, you know, I wish you were more this and less this. But then you just have to go like, okay, am I going to accept this person? And maybe that's where we love each other as we love ourselves, is that we're hoping that someone can accept us for our less than, our lack that someone can invest in us and maybe even help fill that lack but not love us in the same way necessarily that they want to be loved but love us in a way where we need to be loved and that we can love other people in a way that they need to be loved and we can see that. But maybe that is saying, I'm willing to put my pride aside or I'm willing to put my quirks and things and put them over here if you're willing to accept them to a certain extent. Maybe it's meeting halfway. Compromise is not a bad word. Actually, I think you know you can make it say co-promise or something like that. You know, um, no one wants to compromise nowadays. You know, with this you know call-out culture and everybody's going like, oh, I'm woke, so you're bad and I'm good. And you know what I mean? It's like no, that's not how we love each other. We love each other despite our differences, and sometimes we love each other because of our differences. I mean, I love seeing the differences in my kids. You know, my son is so much like me, it's ridiculous. You know, and um, and my daughter is so much like my wife, my ex-wife, his, her mother, let's put it that way. My daughter is so much like her mother, it's ridiculous. And we both think it's hilarious because, you know... My kid's mom, she's like, oh, mosh, me and and Minnie one day, or when she's a teenager, are going to lock horns because we're so much so we're both so stubborn, you know? And um, and so I've got this tough little girl who's stubborn and wants to do everything herself, you know? And then I've got this sensitive little boy, you know, who just, the wind knocks too hard and he kind of gets, cries, you know, and this little girl who can like fall flat on her face, and she's like, I'm I'm fine, I'm okay, (laughs) it's cool, you know, she fell off the bed the other day and I was like, ah, you know, and she's like, "Ah, ha 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 you know, and I'm like I I bought a skateboard for Milo for his birthday guess who's skateboarding? Minnie, she's two she sings songs about skateboards you know, she talks about skateboarding, Milo, I'm like, really have a hard time getting him on the skateboard, because there's a lot of pain involved in skateboarding, you know, and that's probably why I never got to the point of skateboarding that I wanted to is because of some of the pain, and and it's so funny to see Minnie who's just like, and she falls, she cut her chin one time, and I was like, oh no, you know, and and she just got up and smiled, and how I love her and how I love Milo, different ways, you know, because I have to kind of. Afford, Deal with that, um, you know how do you love someone that you were in love with and that you have two kids with, and you have now your your guys are separating lives it's difficult it's really hard. I was married once before and went through a divorce, and we didn't have kids. I actually married to her longer, and we didn't have kids, so we just eventually just grew apart and just realized. For us to love each other, we have to let each other live our own lives. But now I'm in a situation that says, I'm sorry, and that's not going to happen. You're going to be in each other's lives for a long time. Good luck with that. you know." And so you have to even work and love harder. You know, You have to go, oh, how do I do this? How do I compromise? How do I meet this? How do I stand my ground too? And how do I do these things? And how do I do that all out of love? That's what I want. I was recently talking to someone, and they said, oh, why would you do that? Why would you say that to them? Why would you talk to your, you know, blah, blah, blah this way? And and I said, because I give grace to everyone, you know? And one of the things I've learned about grace is grace is undeserved favor, you know? And so I've learned, like, not everybody deserves it, but that's the great thing about grace is they don't have to. And so I try to live a life of giving love and giving grace, but I also through that try to love my neighbor as I think they want to be loved. And sometimes you might have to ask somebody, how do you want to be loved? You know? Or, "Hey, this hurt me. Why did you do this?" And they go, "Oh, well, this is just part of me and why I need this t- I need-, to need time to process things." And so you go, oh, okay, you need time to process things. I thought it was that you didn't like me or you were upset at me or this or that. No, you need time to process. Okay, now I can better be a friend. I can better love you knowing that, oh, okay, when this person says they need time or they're just quiet, I know that I need to give them a little bit of time to get things together. But that's the evolution of love. Is it something that's constantly moving and changing And it's changing in every relationship. I mean, think about, like, when you start dating somebody and how crazy it is and it's fiery and you just get these feelings and you're just listening to songs and you're, you know, writing bad poetry and, you know, making mixtapes or Spotify playlists, you know what I mean? And you're just, like, sending them, you know? And then, you know, a few months get down the road and all of a sudden you haven't sent as many playlists or you haven't written any bad poetry and you're having to deal with things like schedules and all that stuff. And then kind of that, that spark, that romance, that gloss kind of starts to, you know, and you're like, Oh wait, we have to live life too. You know? And so what happens often is in relationships is either they end because you can't evolve with your love that way and you just say, I'm sorry, I can't really love you that way or I I need to be loved this way. Or you go, no, the mundane is okay and I love you in the mundane. You know? And, you know, you learn to evolve that way. It would be great if we could all stay in those first few weeks, wouldn't it? I mean, that's, that's, you know, That's a great thing to have if you, you know, like if you're dating somebody and you only get to see them every little bit, you know, it's like, it's horrible, but the anticipation is so great, you know, and you're like, oh, I can't wait to see them and it's going to be so wonderful and blah, 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 blah. And it stretches out that time of of pleasure because you kind of have this like mystery and imagination and all that stuff. But eventually time plays its role and we see each other for what we are human beings going through a human experience together. So, how do we love people this way? How do we love people in ways that they need to be loved? I guess some of those examples are good. Now I'm going to try some acrobatics. Bring in the acrobats. Um, We're going to look at 2 Peter. And... um, (laughs) That's why I said acrobats because, and I just have to find it. Oh. Where is Second Peter? What Isn't it after? after what? Hebrews. Hebrews? Yeah. Thanks, buddy. It's after James. Yep, there it is. Found it. Thank you. This is why you come here. So last night I was looking at, um, sometimes I have these verses in my head, but I forget where they're at, and that's why I love Google, you know. Um, I was never, if I was ever on your team in Bible camp, I'm so sorry that I cost you whatever we were supposed to win because I was horrible at Bible memory verses. I can't even remember where Jesus wept was, you know. I would like say it over and over and over and over again and then go to the meet to the guy and go like, boo, you know, because they'd make you memorize verses. Um, slowly brainwashing us. Mm. Hey kids, I know that's something that's fun. <laughs> and you'll get an award for it. Well, that's good. I tell kids they'll be awarded for their faith. because um, that's what it's all about. Um, Sorry, I forgot my watch today. Um, I got a babysitter for the kids today, so Caleb didn't have to go crazy. <laughs> He's our child care expert here. Yeah, and Kurt. Kurt's good with kids. Second um, Peter 1, 3. Um, through, I think I'm going to read 3 through 11. His divine power has given us everything needed for life and goodness through the knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Thus he has given us through these things his presence, his precious and very great promises, so that through them you may escape from the corruption that is of this world because of lust and may become participant in the divine nature. And I don't think lust is just sexual. I think it's talking about money and wanting and needing. And I think it's talking about looking for those sacred objects. Um, For you who aren't familiar, the sacred object is something that you feel like will complete you or make you whole. Um, Like, if I only had this car, or if I only had this man or this woman, or if I only had this much money, I would be happy. It's a sacred object. But the thing is, the sacred object doesn't actually exist. You know? um, For me, for a long time, there was this one jacket that I wanted really, really bad. This leather jacket. And it was the sacred object. Um, And I got it. I researched it. I found a place. I found out where the place, the company was going to be. And this jacket was going to be on sale. And I was going to get a discount. And, you know did everything you know the time my girlfriend was there and she helped me buy get put money towards the jacket and it was this really nice shots leather jacket i still have it you've seen me wear it um and as long as i'm you know going through a breakup it's great as soon as i get happy and i put on like five pounds ten pounds then it gets a little tight and then i have to put it back in the closet and there goes the sacred object um Pete jo- jokes with me a lot about that because we say it's the only sacred object that actually exists because it made me so happy for a long time. Stupid. A jacket. Okay? I know. Whatever. I'm vain. I was happy about this damn jacket. Um, but actually, it doesn't exist. Nothing completes us. We will constantly be incomplete. Nothing stops us from being contradictions. The greatest thing you can learn in life is that you're a contradiction and find out what those contradictions are. You're not going to solve them but just learn to live with them, you know? And maybe you can figure out a few here and there, but just accept that there's contradictions and that we all have contradictions in our lives. I can, you know, the dialectic of life, I can love and hate someone at the same time, you know? I can love more than one person at the same time, you know? It's just not that I was told that wasn't possible when I was a young person, but anyway... So for the corruption, you may escape from the corruption, that the world, because of lust and may become participants of the divine nature. Five, here we're at verse five. "For this very reason, you must make every effort to support your faith with goodness and goodness with knowledge and knowledge with self-control and self-control with endurance and endurance with godliness and godliness with mutual affection and mutual affection with love. For if these things are yours and you are increasing amongst you, they keep you from being ineffective and unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now it goes on to say that if you don't have these things and you don't want them, you're short-sighted. But let's look, let's look at these for a second. Um, first of all, I want to see what the ultimate goal here is. Is. And the ultimate goal from godliness to goodness to self control to endurance and all that goes into what? Mutual affection. And then with love, you have love. Affection with love. So the goal is love. But do you see these steps that you're taking to get to love? Um, Knowledge, self control. Endurance. When you endure things, you learn about suffering. You learn about going through something, and you learn what you can do to endure things. You learn ways to go through things. When you get knowledge about something, what are you doing? You're learning. You're finding out what makes it tick. You're finding out what what is this philosophy that I'm interested in. Let me study it. Let me find the holes in it. Let me find the good things. I've become to the point where I've like, I see the holes in, like, I really like anarchy, but I see the holes in it. You know, I really like the concept, but the fact is, every construct has division in it, including anarchy. And I'm not talking about punk anarchy, I'm talking about real, like, traditional, good old fashioned anarchy. Um, And it's a beautiful concept because it's a third way. But then I was like, okay. So I was talking to to Pete about it, and you know, he was showing me some of the reasons why he doesn't subscribe to anarchy. And I thought, well, man, you know, and I'm saying I like to think about tattoos always come into my life, and I was like, well, maybe I should get an anarchy symbol with a minus in the middle, <laughs> you know, or a plus you know something like that to say like i'm anarchist but minus certain things or i'm anarchist plus certain things the fact is i can't find a group that i feel like i fit in you know maybe i'm a socialist maybe you know i've been a lifelong liberal democrat you know but now i'm starting to move away from that so what am i the fact is is we're talking about love i know but let's look at this also in that way is I'm learning, I'm evolving, I'm changing, I'm realizing that one size doesn't fit all for me. And we realize that in love with other people. You know? But this this verse is, what I love about this verse is, is saying, like, it starts out with this idea of, you know, you must make every effort to support your faith with goodness. I say, so oh, I need to be good, you know? and goodness with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with endurance. Now, endurance, I I just said, helps you learn. Knowledge helps you learn. Self-control, when we have self-control, then we know, oh, I don't need to make that phone call right now. I want to say this, and I would love it if someone said it to me, but if I say this to person A, it's going to shut them down. It's going to make everything go this way. It's going to actually hurt them more than encourage them. So I've got to figure out another way to talk to person A that is their love language. Now, there's some times where we just speak truth. That's all we can do, you know. So there are certain... Did somebody get a burrito? There are certain relationships... There's certain relationships where I feel are important enough to speak your truth right away. You know, and this is who I am. Like when I'm dating somebody, when I realize there's a thing, I go, you know what? This is who I am. This is why I believe this way. This is what I think. And this is where I'm at. And I want you to know because I want you to know what you're getting into. These are the non negotiables. Or maybe they're negotiable, but we have to talk about it, so here it is. That's what you know why? Because I spent years afraid of conflict. So I avoided conflict. And what happened is I got the ultimate conflict divorce. Because I wouldn't work things out, because I wouldn't speak my own truth. So yes, you have to speak your truth. You know, you need to be upfront with people and say things. Um Sometimes you have to love yourself enough to know that. So what I'm saying, it's just not easy is what I'm, I'm trying to say. And that's why I believe that in these f- verses about endurance and control, you know, knowing when to speak, knowing when it's time not to speak, n- getting knowledge, learning this kind of stuff, because people are different. But the goal here is, I, what I love about the Bible, is it always seems to come back to being the goal is love. You know? <laughs> But we have to do that through growth, through time, through, with patience, with endurance, with kindness. Now, maybe that's where, where 1 Corinthians 13, which I, I didn't read in this one, but when it says love endures all, you know, and it says never demands its own way. Well, if you're in a relationship where you're not having to demand your own way, you're really trying not to demand your own way, you're already probably loving someone a little bit different than you love yourself. you know So what i'm asking us to do is to put on the other person's glasses to help maybe see things through the other's eyes which i've been doing a lot here lately is saying how do we not scapegoat conservatives all the time you know how do we learn from each other and sit down and talk and have good arguments and good conversations um Last night, I was kind of going through a bit of a dark period. I I wrote some stuff down, and I don't even know if it makes sense, but I'm going to see if it does just by reading it. (laughs) I wrote, life is tough, and we have moments of happiness, but it's mostly suffering for the population of the world. If you think about it, most people in the world are suffering some way. It's just how we're built. But suffering can bond us together. We can share in one another's suffering and by that way, help share in one another's healing by sharing with people. I mean, I think that was one of the greatest things about going through a group therapy for me was is that I shared my suffering and then I got kickback from all these different people from how their suffering, how their insight into my suffering was from completely different walks of life and going, oh, but we were still sharing it. Oh, okay, I'm going to take that. Well, I'm definitely going to leave here, you know, definitely going through a 12-step program that I have to keep anonymous um, for alcohol. Um, The same thing. You know, you share your story or you share where you're going, and then sometimes someone will share something or someone will kind of hit something for you and uh, respond to what you're saying. And um, it's that shared want to be – to find a better way but also realizing and not having the idea that something's going to complete us. If you're looking for someone to complete you or something to complete you, you are going to be gravely disappointed. Why do we search for completeness in people, money, and things, and God? Because they become the sacred object. We make them the sacred object. We make them the key to our happiness. And it's, sure, they will make you happy, but temporary. I mean, look at all the people who listen to revolution and come to revolution, and I would say the majority of those people, except for maybe one, your congregation we did, <laughs> all um, are somehow lost the idea as God is a sacred object. There's still something missing. They're haunted by something, but there's something missing. Revolution is definitely the place where people come when their faith has decidedly missed something. and we're all here and i don't know if we're going to find it but we're going to definitely highlight maybe some of the stuff we're dealing with and maybe let it evolve into something different just as we can with love and love for others um what will fill the void nothing the best thing i can advise i can give you is accept the journey and get some good friends you don't have to have many. I don't have a whole lot of friends, but I have a few good friends. And I know that I can send a text or an Instagram or, or you know, yeah, about that. That's about where I do my <laughs> suffering is text and Instagram and reach out. And sometimes I don't because I'm so, oh, I don't want to hear from You know, and then they show up. You know, and I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful for the friendships I have. I'm not an easy person to be a friend with. I will let you down if you want someone who is there all the time, especially since I've got kids. I've become even more introverted because I'm sucked into the world of my two children, and um, I had a uh, a babysitter come today for the kids, and it's so funny. She came in, and I realized all of a sudden how bad the house really was, (laughs) and we had a leak through the – somebody left their bathtub on, and I got a leak through the – Bathroom and all this stuff, and you know, just trying to do all this stuff. And it was funny just a week ago, someone came into my house and was like, It is so clean, this looks great, it doesn't look like a mess at all, you know. And I was like, Oh, great, you know. But those two little tornadoes, you know, I'm just like, Stay fed, (laughs) let's go somewhere. Where are we gonna go? Went to a kid's birthday party, and let me tell you about something that your life will never prepare you for, and you'll one thing you will celebrate when those kids get a little bit older. Um, is not going to those anymore. Um, and everybody feels the same way, so it's cool. But we had a good time. They, they got worn out. They did a lot of trampoline jumping. Except the journey. Love does not last. At best, it evolves. But fades from the initial spark. And then I just wrote knowledge and endurance. Those are the things we're called to. Um, I think having an, an amazing love and amazing relationships is possible. I just think it, like any other thing, it takes work, and it takes endurance, and it takes bettering your knowledge. You know, and it takes knowing what your boundaries are and what other boundaries are, and learning if you can respect those. I'm not going to say you have to respect people's boundaries. I hear that all the time. You know, I step on people's toes all the time because I'm a speaker. I step over boundaries. That's why I always say revolution is not a safe space. You know, we're not a safe space for people to come and feel, oh, I won't feel challenged or, you know, I won't feel offended. You know, no, you're gonna probably come here and feel pretty offended. If you want a safe space, I can probably recommend a few, but we're not completely safe, even though a lot of people feel safe here. It's still I mean, I hear things come back at me all the time from people who said, well, I didn't feel safe because of this, or I didn't feel good because... Okay, well, let's talk about it. Life isn't a safe space. Life doesn't come with trigger warnings. Man, I wish it did, but it doesn't. You know, it's just part of life. You know, bullies don't know that there's... I'm going to bully you, you know. (laughs) Trigger warning, I'm about to... (laughs) Say something that will stick with you for the rest of your life. I had someone one time say something to me when I was taking tickets. I was, sell- I was just selling. We were having a concert revolution 20 years ago. You know, And this girl said something about my body. Just off the cuff and then went in. I have never forgotten what she said. It was kind of an insult. It hurt my feelings. And it still plays a tape in my head. You know, that's just life. It just happens. It's tough. But we learn to live with it and deal with it and then, you know, why did I hold on to it? And you can look at it and why did I do this and how do I let it go and go through that and you can talk about it in therapy if you want. It wasn't that big of a deal, so I'm not gonna go through therapy for it. <laughs> I'm not gonna waste that time. Um no good money on it. But there are other things that I've had to deal with my family or my father or situations where I've had to go into therapy and really focus, focus, focus and grow from that and learn from that. Um why do I go to therapy? Because life is tough. Life is suffering. It's full of it. There are no sacred objects. And um, I'm trying to learn to embrace that more. It's really crazy because a lot of my f- close friends, theology is, is very similar to embracing suffering and learning to live in a world where we have that. But how, by embracing that, I'm just going to hopefully learn to love people better. I'm hopefully going to become a better person, a better father, a better friend, and a better lover by learning to embrace that part of life because it's the majority of it, you know, and not to put, and not to put all my chips in the high moments because that's what I, I feel like a junkie sometimes, searching for that high. You know, what will complete me? What will make me feel fulfilled? What will give me hope? You know, but it's all temporary. You know, the one consistent in my life has been my work. You know, coming here, speaking to you guys, writing books, doing podcasts, that gives me hope. So I'm, I'm, I'm blessed to have that in my life. And that's what I encourage people is find those type of things in your life, whether it be a hobby or your passion, your purpose, and follow it. Life is way too short to be stuck in something that's dragging you down because you think money's going to make you happy. Because it will not make you happy. How many millionaires have killed themselves? How many millionaires died mentally ill? So this was a real, real uh, inspirational sermon today, huh? Um, but the whole point is, that, you know, back to love your neighbor as yourself. And I say, love your neighbor as they need to be loved. And if all you can do right now is love somebody as yourself, go for it. Um, But love someone how they need to be loved, and if you were them, you would love them. You know what I mean? Does that make sense? Like, try to walk a mile in their shoes. Empathy. Try to be empathetic, or at least sympathetic, and go, okay, okay there's a friend who needs me right now. There's another friend right now who needs space. I'm going to learn how to do that. I'm going to try to do that. And, uh, I think that's, that's my goal right now is learning how to love better and, uh, hope for the best. So good luck with that. Um, we're going to, we're going to have our discussion right now. Are you ready? Yeah. And, um, where we just kind of talk about the talk Talk about the talk We call it Afterglow But I think it's slowly Just becoming part of the service now Caleb's evil plan Has finally come to <laughs> Two <laughs> <years>. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Um. So yeah, yeah. Let's uh, Open the floor to your wisdom Your worldly wisdom we have microphones all around, so they'll catch you. Feedback?
0: It's a very Buddhist talk, Jay. Oh, jeez. Life is suffering. we <laughs> about emptiness and stuff. Honestly, though, it's great. And I think uh, it, this is a silly, um, a silly comparison, I think, to draw, but I think there's some truth in it. You, you know in the, the Princess Bride, when Wesley says... Uh, life is pain. Life is pain, Kindness, anything Anyone who tells you otherwise is trying to sell you something. Right. I think a lot of versions of Christianity are trying to sell you a remedy, or not just Christianity of religion or of self-help. Yeah. Are trying to sell you a permanent remedy that, like you said, is, is the is a sacred object or an object cause of desire or whatever language you want to use. And I think that embracing the lack of that, or at least acknowledging the lack of that as an absolute solid, obtainable thing I think is a healthier way to go about navigating life. Yeah. Well, you said it really resonated with me hard today. That was really good. Oh, yeah, thank you. Yeah. Yes. <clears throat> well, ladies and gentlemen, my name is Michael. And, uh, you just preached uh, uh, on,
3: touch the core of my heart. Well, thank you. Um,
0: uh, love your neighbor. And uh, from the challenges of being homeless, or semi-homeless, See of welcoming.
3: Hey
2: Rachel.
3: Hey yeah. Rachel. Uh, thanks so much for your talk, Jay. I appreciate your talk so much and I appreciate this community a lot. Well. Um, so, uh, with, with the talk today, um, I guess with the love language and talking about loving others and loving yourself, um, something that I thought of right away is how important in recent years um, I thought three words that are so important with love is waiting and listening and silence and how those are three things I've discovered are so important to figuring out how to love and um, and not being reactive and having that be part of how you love others um, and giving s- their, that, that there's space there to figure out how to love others. Um, like a story that has come back to me I, I grew up in the Christian tradition, very much so um, and then was not, a, I did not um, go to church for a long time, but coming back to Christianity, a story, there's certain stories that, that have come back like really stood out to me from when I was growing up and one of them was Mary and Martha and how important um, that with that story um Mary her, uh, what she does, what she is doing in um, prayer and silence and waiting and listening, and what Martha's doing is important too, but not without what Mary's doing. Like that's so that's so important to. Because I, I don't know how to love. How would I know? I need to wait and listen and uh, learn how to do that, and it will, and then also have faith that it will come to me too. Um, faith's important, I think, with that too. With um, Figure out how to love. Um, I really appreciate um, talking about the sacred object that's always there, but that never fulfills us. And is, uh, I've, certainly, as in my life, I you know, if I just um, make this, if, if I just uh, can figure out how to pay these bills, then everything will be okay. If I just, um, if I, um, my relationship with uh, this person improves, then everything will be okay. Um, it's always the next thing. Then there's always something that comes after that. Once I've, I've got that. Um. And I think I'll. That makes.
4: Yeah. I think with what I took away from it too is we need to love our neighbors, but also giving the space. Uh, in in order for them to understand. For case in point, like the way I was raised is like if you get in an argument, like. I look at my parents; had a great relationship um, in their marriage, and they would, if they got in an argument, which was never that much, but if they did, they would always say, "Don't let the sun go down in your anger." Like it's terrible to go to bed when you're just pissed off or angry as someone, especially your spouse. But I've noticed, like I'm super extroverted. Anybody who knows me and my wife's very introverted and kind of closed off and has to process in a way. And it took a number of years after we got married when we got. Um, married where if we got in an argument and especially was at first was about money and just all this other stuff and how we view life and we would blow up at each other and i would want to like let's let's rectify this right now and my wife would storm off and shut the door and i thought that was really like what you know like what's wrong blah 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 but over the years i've realized hey my wife needs that space she needs that time apart she needs time to process it where i can just kind of process it on the fly and so what you were saying is, like, it really hits home where, not just with, like, a spouse, but a friend, a, a lover, or kids, whatever, you, you, you love them, but you need to love them in the space and in the way that they need to be loved. And that's very hard, And because a lot of people just are like, this is who I am, you got to accept me as giving this love to you, but at the same time we have to realize, like, we have to understand, appreciate, and respect how they deal with it, and how they, you know, accept it, so...
0: I think you can gradually learn another person's language in air quotes, but becoming fluent in the way another person communicates and even perceives and processes inputs from other people, I don't you're always I think learning. Oh yeah. Like it's, it's really easy to miscommunicate and I think I think most conflicts come from miscommunication.
4: Yeah.
0: Well I was just thinking about the
2: verse in Corinthians 13 where it says love endures false things and the only thing I was thinking about that was that if if it endures, there has to be a reason it endures. You know what I mean? Like, there's problems causing you to not want to keep it going.
5: I, I got a real problem here. Good! Please, right. bring the problem to the table. We love it. Because we're throwing the word love around here, and when you talk about the the most quoted Bible verse at a wedding of the Corinthians, yeah. which is actually being applied to romantic love, but really is not about romantic love right at all. all. Yeah, and and I think even our discussion and Jay, I'd say even in your even in your sermon, um, we're we're conflating things here. That that the the love we have for an individual is not that all encompassing love that's talked about in Corinthians. The love we have for an individual may rise to that but the love we have in romantic love and in a relationship is really quite different your statement that uh you have developed to the point now when you have a relationship with someone where it's getting serious and what you mean by that is they're becoming important to you that you right up front declare who you are and this is something i think that's a problem in romantic love relationships as people become more important to you as that relationship takes on more to fill that more of that sacred object you're talking about, that relationship you're using to fill that void in some way inside of you, that becomes more and more important to you. And many times we lose ourselves. So, your declaration of who you are in the face of the stress of maybe losing someone who's becoming more and more important to you, and then it's a slippery slope. And we see this in relationships. You start to give up who it is that's you. You start to want to, well, wait a minute, I I don't want to lose this, This it's more important to me, and if I show this part of me that's dark, that maybe I told them about that up front, maybe I didn't, but I, I pull that back and I don't show that. And so you actually start disconnecting from someone rather than connecting, and connecting by showing who you are and being who you are. And it gets harder and harder to do that when that person becomes more and more important to you. So this romantic love is very different Um, then then the love and Caleb you said this is a very Buddhist talk and I think so yeah life is suffering uh, but if you talk about love in the Buddhist tradition it's first love yourself and and you have to figure out how to be yourself and who you are and then hold on to yourself and hold on to yourself in the face of others in the face of a relationship with someone else then if you're really going to emerge and uh, develop you develop to a point where love is really not about romantic love. Love your neighbor as you love yourself really means first you figure out how to love yourself and accept yourself. Then you figure out that, wait a minute, we're all the same in some way. And then you figure out we actually are all one. And that's very Buddhist. Yeah. We actually are all one. And those who transcend to that level in the Buddhist traditions love everybody and see their faults and see their pros and cons. Very different love. And so I think my confusion in your talk today has been We kind of veer towards love our neighbor, but that's not romantic love. Yeah. And it's not as much of the love you were talking about. And yes, I think the sacred object is filling that void, and I think that's the real core. I think if we're talking about that rather than inflating this with love our neighbor, these are really two different things. And yet they are on a spectrum of personal development where we need from someone else, and we seek from someone else, and then we learn that, wait a minute, we're seeking from outside, what we really have to do is fill internally, and then we fill internally, and we become okay with ourselves and accept ourselves, and that's really the step to be able to accept and truly love somebody else, whether it's even in a romantic way, or love the person I, I have an issue uh, with. Uh, uh, Prius in the fast lane, right? <laughs> so, how many times <laughs> are you behind a Prius? I'm I'm, insult- I'm I'm sure I've insulted some Prius. <laughs> but, how many times you are in the fast lane? You're, you're late for something, which means you're all about yourself. Yeah. And you're thinking about, I gotta get there, and this is about me. And there's a Prius in the fast lane, and funny, doing 60 miles an hour, exactly the speed limit in the fast lane. And it's like, and then there's a car next to them doing exactly the speed limit, and you know, you've got a rolling roadblock, and you got, that's all about you. And your own frustrations bubble yeah. up, and then you're mad at the Prius. Well, you know, the person in the Prius, it wasn't about you. They're just being economical, and they're looking, well, you know, I don't <laughs> know, I'm in this lane, I don't know, you're know, not paying attention. And it's not about you. So I think it's learning to love the person in the Prius in front of you is much more of a transcendental love. Well,
2: <laughs> well the funny thing is, when I used to drive a Prius, I wanted a bumper sticker that said I excel at other things. Um, uh, to <laughs> to accelerate. Right, yeah. But, um... I think you hit the nail on the head and, 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 and I'm glad you pushed back because maybe this will help clarify things because I think in my own personal life right now I'm coming to a point where I'm trying to transfer from a relationship where I'm taking romantic love and change it into love for my neighbor where someone who was my romantic love has now become my neighbor and my co-parent
5: and I don't think you change that, Jay I, I don't think you change that love into a different love yeah. I think you change yourself into where you can develop to be able to love thy neighbor as you love yourself. Yeah. And I think that change comes from you. And I don't think that's a transition from romantic love. I mean, it's a developmental transition. Yeah. But it's not like you take romantic love from one person and just transfer that love over to a love thy neighbor kind of thing. Yeah. I mean, that's those are very different than you really... I mean, there's been a relationship there and things going on. I mean, you have to let go of yourself and develop in ways yourself before you, we can get to that point of truly loving our neighbor. So, at least in the in the yeah. the, the, the sense that, that uh, um, perhaps we want to transcend that more of a Buddhist sense. At least. I like that. Again, sorry to poop, poop on the No, yeah. No, exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, no, yeah, I I mean, what do you guys think? Go ahead, Rachel. I, I was just
3: going to say, I um, I, re- I really appreciate what you said. I um, uh, I have a group I practice with. Um, they do meta practice on Fridays, or loving kindness practice, and that is very much what we do. Where we start, you always start with yourself, with um, compassion and kindness towards yourself, and then you expand it outwards. And I feel like what what we do is is kind of what you're talking about. Where you're, you're, the the love and the, comp- the self compassion you you look for in yourself and then you expand it to those around you and then expanding it to the world but it's all the it's all the same but you're just starting with yourself first and then you go outward.
5: Mm. You Is mentioned it? you mentioned reactivity as something that you were working on and that yeah. and that reactivity where that comes from that reactivity to someone around you that inability of when you react to somebody in your environment who's having feelings that reactivity is coming from you that's about you that's not so much about them and it's about you accepting or, or receiving their feelings about, uh, about you personally and then hanging on to yourself in the face of, of that and again I think reactivity is Something that's that's sort of... If you get to that point where you just accept that person, and it's not about you, it's about them having their feelings. And you can hang on to yourself. But a lot of that reactivity, it hooks our shame. We come from this place of... We feel like someone having their feelings, especially if it's someone close and important to us. Someone having their feelings, we take that personally, and then it becomes about us, even though it may not be. So that... And it probably isn't, but that reactivity uh, in part comes from our inability to hang on to ourself. What, what helps us hang on to ourself or rather what prevents us from hanging on to ourself is some very core things about ourself that maybe we don't want that other person to know or worse yet we, won't, we don't want to admit to ourselves. And it hooks that shame about those things. And then we react and we push back. And maybe we say things that hurt somebody when, you know, that person was in a place not to be hurt, to be not reactive to be able to stay in conflict or 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 hang on to yourself when someone close to you is having feelings or there is conflict it becomes really difficult and I think it comes from the court you know, one accepting those things about yourself and reveling in them and that comes back to self who you are um, and and then hanging on to who you are in the face of others and that's what I'm not saying I'm good at this I'm terrible at this <laughs> especially in proximity to a, a Close relationship where that relationship is important to you. So, groups, I think talking about things in, in your group is, is important and just sort of airing that out and really kind of understanding that. But you have to get back to this is all about you. And the ability to love comes from within you and it starts by accepting who you are, even the things you don't like about yourself, the things you don't want to admit. Those are roadblocks. That's shadow work. That's stuff that's there all the time that you're walking around ignoring, but it's there, and it it affects your behavior day in and day out. Uh, so, so that I think that's one of the core things about loving someone else in a romantic la- relationship. That gets in the way. And especially when your wedding starts out with love is kind, love is patient. Oh, come on. Nobody can live up to that in a romantic yeah, relationship. Yeah. We're humans. You know, we're all imperfect. So it's a practice. i always it's really right that it's a, That's that why we practice. expectation, right? You never, never like ask me to read that. i never it. <laughs> I don't read it anymore. I, no, I, don't, I, go, like, I don't actually. You know, like, it's
0: probably theologically, not it's not for wedding. Yeah. It's not really about that. Yeah. No. Yeah. Uh, theology is. Also, uh, all theoretical. Like it's, it's like, oh, this is this is the archetype we're working towards. God is love. This is perfect love. Yeah. We're going to work towards. We're going to practice it day in and day out. That's where we meet every week. If I if I finished Christianity, if I got a, an A on the final exam of Christianity, I would never have to come back here again. But it's a, it's a practice. It is renewed. It is pursued after because it. Because maybe that's an object of positive yeah. desire. Maybe that's a sacred object. Is, is God? Well, yeah. You just. Said, I mean. You well, said
2: earlier. And what I like about this conversation is, is that the idea is, is, I am not the answer man. I've never claimed to be. Amen. And <laughs> <laughs> thank you. <laughs> and um, that's that's what I like about the having the conversation afterwards is we're able we'll to work through it. Now, John has the right to be wrong, and it's, it's okay. No <laughs> shit. Um. No, but I I see what you're saying. Honestly, yeah. I'm just stumbling through life right now with with, uh, with some of this, uh-huh. you know, and trying to figure out how do I. How, I think that, How do I work romantic love? How do I work parental love? How do I work that exactly. family love? How do I, you know, how do I cover all these bases? Because love, romantic love, is different than yeah.
0: I was gonna I was gonna say I think another contributing factor to this conversation itself is the fact that the English language doesn't have as many. Different words for love as Greek did, you know, yeah, if know. if you're reading this in Koine, it would be a totally. I know. I wouldn't even have this conversation. You know. If we were Greek or Hebrew, we not be having this conversation. We'd be
2: Fighting over three words. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, what was I saying? No, I, I love love it. Yes.
1: Well, yes. For me right now, there's a verse in the Bible that says, "Now we see through glass, darkly." And I think, probably all of us, but I know that I see myself darkly. I mean, I don't... I'm a mystery to myself oftentimes. Um, My behavior is not what I would like it to be many times. But um, talking about it, and it's good to live deliberately. Mm -hmm. But Thoreau talked about loving a wide margin to his life and so i'm finding that i'm most at peace and feel like i'm in sync with the sacred when i'm not when i'm not thinking through everything i do because for me that's a form of for me it's a form of judgment yeah and i'm so prone to judge and have expectations and it turns my life into kind of a, an inner hell. And I feel most at peace when I just let go and stop trying to think ahead so much and just... And that's when I can talk, when I'm And that's when I feel connection, when I just think, this person, you know, I wish they were this and this. Well, no, this person. And I can find joy and enjoyment right now in this moment with this person as he or she is. I mean it's and I can stop trying to be what I'm not or trying to decide who I should be. It's
0: very Buddhist also?
1: Um I think it's, I think, you know, we can label it Buddhist, but I think it's just,
0: yeah, no, I know,
1: but I think it's just the reality of being alive,
0: mm-hmm.
1: whether you're, regardless of your So
5: it's, it's very Joseph Campbell. <laughs>
1: um, I think it's just, at least for me, it's it's true to my experience. How's
3: that
4: Else a burning desire. I'm going to try sure. to dunk on John a little bit. Okay. Because he dunked on you. Oh, okay. You back at He's it got it. your back.
5: Let's, let's, let's talk. Let's talk.
4: Well, there was some, I feel like, con- contradiction in what you're saying, because you were, on one hand, saying that Buddhism enlightens us to the concept that there is no self. So that's not what I said. You did not. No. no. So, but you were saying something about the emptiness of being, or something of that sort, that we're... I'll have to go back and listen to the tape and see what nugget I heard from you related to this. So, so,
5: so, so in the Buddhist traditions, it's you transcend to where you see everybody yes. as one. As one. Okay. Yes, that's and what we I was, are all the same. So, yes. But you start by loving yourself before you ascend to being able to love
0: everyone else. But the first step so, on the road uh, to enlightenment right. is a selfish step. That's the absolutely. irony. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Choosing, oh. choosing yeah. to pursue enlightenment, choosing to be selfless is a selfish, is, is a selfish thing.
4: But when you're yeah. selfish, you then ascend up and realize there is no self and everything go, is one. You go beyond
5: it. that and we're all... I mean, again, that, this is a, a ideal. And, and yeah. uh, people don't... The, the so-called enlightenment... Is only a few attain that, or but there are you know levels along the way. But I wasn't so much talking about that other than right as an example to say, wait a minute, we're conflating two things here. We're conflating this love of everyone as in this enlightenment in the Buddhist tradition of the, the ultimate um, um, development of, of human beings yeah. to reach that level the of the body. Sakha, so um, and uh, but I, I, that is sort of an example. Uh, of, of what we're kind of conflating when we're talking about romantic love very different than this all-encompassing love thy neighbor which would be the equivalent in the Christian tradition of being ascended to enlightenment of loving everybody sure. and, and understanding that everyone is one so to love yourself you is, line to, line is you to love each person well yeah well or you're, you're, yes, you're, you're, uh, very, where are specifying the where they're very different things and what I was challenging Jay on was we, we, we were slipping in and out of a few things and we're conflating of things, of a few things and it gets a little confusing and I think it's, it should be very we need to make a distinction about that love thy neighbor that's is great. different than a romantic relationship I and, agree. and love in that sense of a romantic relationship is very different so that's really the point I was trying to make where I found Jay's sermon a little confusing because those concepts were sort of going back and forth and they, was, they were trying to fusel, but they're very different. And I think, it was to really understand those two, understanding that distinction is clear. Because if you think that you're going to have enlightenment love in a relationship with your wife or husband or girlfriend or boyfriend, forget it. That's that whole thing of love is patient, love is kind. You're already set up for failure if you think that's what romantic love is. And I yes. think so often we go into relationships these expectations that we're going to get everything we need from that person that we marry yeah, yeah. it's not realistic of course not and, and that and that getting everything that we need first of all we're trying to fill that hole in ourself and that person becomes our
0: sacred object yeah. realizing that hole is in ourself and that is part of us and everybody has a hole somewhere and, well, I mean, and part, part so, of the sacred object part of the definition of the sacred object is that it cannot be achieved that is an essential part of the psychology. Right,
5: that but, it, but it is why an it ideal achieved that achieved just because you're trying to fix something internal it by filling it with something external, and you got to fix the internal. So, so that, and, and again, the issues in relationships often are the problems with each person in the relationships' internal issues and expectations. So, a romantic relationship is a subset, and quite frankly. Do we even call that love? That is a relationship. That is a... um, uh, um, When you truly connect with somebody, when you truly connect with your partner in a romantic relationship, it's actually, by doing what Jay said, he's doing right up front when he first meets someone and they become important to him. This is who I am. It's a take or leave a proposition. Maybe I can negotiate on a few minor things. But yeah. This is who I am. Uh, recognizing that this is who you are, and the other person has to recognize that they're who you are. They care who they are. And that by being exposed and vulnerable in that relationship and saying, hey, I'm not perfect. I made mistakes. Or, I screwed this up and I apologize and I recognize and own that. That was my fault. That was part of me. I did something to soothe me that hurt you uh, and it wasn't about you but it still hurt you so those kinds of things in a relationship are about each individual being differentiated and what happens in marriages i think is over time the person becomes more and more important to you and you start giving up yourself so instead of being differentiated and coming to that relationship and being vulnerable and saying here's all my flaws here i am I'm wide open. You can hurt me in any yeah. way. I mean, you know everything about yeah. me. You can hurt me in ways. I'm exposed to myself. You hurt me in ways that nobody else could. I'm vulnerable. And if the other person does that, too, and then you respect that. Um, but understand that you're different people. What happens, I think, in marriages, in relationships, is people start to fuse. You don't want to present negative stuff, especially negative things that you're not, it's your shadow. You're not even all that aware of it yourself. The things that motivate your behaviors. And you go, why did All behavior is strategic, a friend of ours. All behavior is strategic. It comes from our wants. We behave, uh, uh, our behavior comes from what we want and what we're trying to get, whether that's manipulating someone or whatever, but that all behavior is strategic. So in a relationship, over time, if you can't hang on to yourself, um, or if there's some shadow stuff you haven't worked out, you don't give that up. You hang on to that. And that actually pulls you away from the other person because you can't be vulnerable in that way. You may not even recognize it yourself. So what happens over time is you give up yourself, and you start trying to mirror to that person more of what you think they want to see. And then what happens over time is the relationship you fused. And so you're fused at the level of the other person saying, well, I don't want to show this side of myself to them because they might leave me and The other person do doing the same thing. And you develop this relationship where you're sort of stuck. Um, and, and it's not connecting. It's just the opposite. Because by hiding those things about yourself that you're afraid of or can't admit to yourself, you're actually withdrawing from the other person instead of being exposed and vulnerable. And I think that's one of the things in relationships and it happens insidiously. The early days, when everything's fine, and you're writing poems and doing mixtapes and things like that, that's a whole nother thing. But as that fades, and, and as people become more and more important to you, and you become more dependent upon that person to fill what's missing. Sure. Now, if you can fill what's missing yourself and hang on to it, then you come to a relationship where you say, "Hey, I have something to offer. I want to offer you. This. Here I am. You know, I'll offer." Myself, warts and all, but I'll offer an unvarnished view of who I am. Uh, and but I would
1: say, I would say that I'm sorry. Sure. For me, the the precursor to even beginning to understand who's inside is an invasion of a sacred.
5: Don't know what you mean by that.
1: Well, I I believe in a in a transcendent slash imminent Deity. and for me i define sacred as that which i can who can invade
5: that which you can control
1: who invades so
5: everything external to yourself though. no i'm uh, can you control anything external to yourself can you make Jake change
2: hey i love you guys but i have to go get my babysitter
1: we'd like to remind you that our ministry is supported 100 by listeners like you to make your 100 tax-deductible donation today please visit revolutionchurch.com slash donate you can also learn more by clicking the donate section on the website
0: that was a post-christian podcast